From Flourish DX, this is the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia podcast. With workplace mental health becoming a critical issue for businesses, this is the source of information for creating sustainable and mentally healthy workplaces in Asia. Hi, my name is Wen Li Lim, and I'm the Chief Impact Officer at Flourish DX and host of this podcast. The purpose of this podcast is for conversations and practical guidance from subject matter experts, service providers, innovative tech platforms, and employers in the region. Uh, taking a shared responsibility approach to workplace mental health is imperative. So not just as individuals, but as employers, colleagues, and the broader community to help create mentally healthy workplaces so that we can prevent suffering and promote human flourishing. So today we have a very special guest. I'm very excited to get into the conversation, but I'll just do a bit of an intro on Crystal Tang. So Crystal has over eight years experience in employee wellness. Uh, she's currently the wellness leader within Mercer's Singapore Health Consulting Team. Uh, she currently specializes in wellness consulting, where she designs wellness solutions for clients, as well as managing partnerships to match clients with support that delivers results. Um, so as a wellness leader, she is passionate about education of mental wellness, which we'll talk a lot about today uh, in the corporate sector, as well as an advocate for women's health and wellness. So we just want to welcome Crystal. Great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Wen. Really good to be here. So um, we're recording this podcast really um, a week after Lunar New Year. So how was yours? (laughs) Busy. (laughs) I think being Chinese, you're never not busy. Um, For the the listeners out there who don't really understand what Lunar New Year is like, I've been like telling my Australian colleagues and others who don't celebrate this, like it's a full on thing. There's like a whole week of preparation before and then the week of it. So yeah, how busy does it get for you? (laughs) Um, It's all about family usually during Lunar New Year, right? Uh, um, You don't see your family throughout the year and then you only see them during Lunar New Year and then it gets a bit stressful sometimes. Uh, I guess it's better now that I'm married with a kid. But last time, I think as Chinese um, kids growing up, you'd be like, oh, have you done your exams? How's your exams going? Are you getting married? And when are you doing next kid? So it can be quite stressful with all the questions coming in. Um, But this year has been great because it's my daughter's second um, Chinese New Year. And uh, she actually understands it a little bit, maybe. She just takes the ang pao's. Um, if the listeners don't know what ang pao's are, they're like little red packets that you give to kids uh, filled with money in them. So it depends on how much the kids get. That's so- a great thing <laughs> for kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she's gotten some money, you know, to get some toys. So it's been really good for her. Um, we're really happy. It's more for her this year and celebrating, you know, um, getting family time together understanding what the culture is for her because she's half Chinese and half British so um, so letting my husband who's British understand the culture as well he's only had one at last uh, two uh, two Chinese New Year's ago so then now to this year will be one with the baby so it's a little bit different for him um, so but overall we had fun <laughs> oh good yeah so it's really a time for extended family really I mean yeah. you see your own family but then now it's like you know your aunts uncles everyone coming together and then yeah usually it's the whole non-stop questioning of just yeah where are you at with life yes, have yes, you got exactly. a promotion you know what are you doing <laughs> so yeah. it can be actually a stressful time for some people it can um be. yeah and so I just like any holidays whether it's Christmas or other things you know um for a lot of people it's a really great time but for other people under stress it can actually add to the stress of just um being questioned a lot so I'm sure like yeah 
before um, COVID uh, and the pandemic, people used to fly away for this season. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. And escape. Yes. And now you're stuck. You're like, oh, great. <laughs> it was interesting because my cousins came over yesterday to visit. Um, and she she said to me, she said, oh, you know, nowadays we can't travel for Chinese New Year, but I really hated Chinese New Year. I was like, you did? I didn't even know because she never she put on a brave fun all the time during family events. And she's like, yeah, I always hated it. I don't know why I hate it. It's just I don't like the whole thing. Everyone getting together, um, people asking questions. It was really stressful. So it was just, you know, now you get to know about it. Right. Um, yeah. And I didn't know that it was very stressful for all of the rest of my cousins because I was feeling it. My brothers were feeling it, but we thought we were the only ones feeling it. So it was quite interesting to hear that the cousins were feeling it too. But um, it is a nice time, I would say, but it is very, very stressful. And I hear that people do get you know, especially singles who have not been married, uh, I mean, who have, haven't gotten married, they are the ones who get most stressed. I'm not sure if you heard about it when that um, some people actually hire boyfriends <laughs> just to go to family events. Yeah, so it's a very interesting, it's a it's interesting culture, I would say. Um, yes. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I think it's always good intentions where hopefully when family members ask, um, yes. but it gets a little bit much. But yeah, yes. so it's a, I think just for all the listeners who don't live in a Asia or you know or go through this I thought it was just like interesting yeah. to just talk about it because it's such a yeah it's such a big thing and, and I mean in China it's great they um, a lot of people get to go home they don't work in the city that they um, you know come from so then it's really about a week or two that they get to go back home so it's it's kind of like Thanksgiving yes, uh, in the exactly. states yeah exactly. for exactly. us it's the um, lunar new year yeah. But so now we're back to work um, and <laughs> back into the podcast on just talking about, yeah, just your experience and your work in the field. I mean, before coming uh, into Mercer, you were previously actually doing, yeah, the counseling and the um, on-site crisis for really big mm-hmm. companies like Twitter. So maybe can you talk to us about your career, you know, how you and how you got into, you know, being a wellness leader? Okay. That that's a bit of a journey. So I started. Um, I said I did all my um, academics in the U.S. and Canada. So I uh, did a lot of my internships in the U.S., especially in working with um, you know uh, people with severe depression and people with uh, chronic mental health diseases in California itself. And with that, you know, gave me a whole lot of experience to a world where you know. I've never seen before. You grow up, growing up a little bit in Singapore, and even like you know, everywhere you go is kind of a bubble when you're not in that that mental health world, right? And so when I work with all these you know charitable organizations or government institutions in the California, dealing with um, you know mentally uh, ill people, um, especially in the Asian community, it was quite an eye opener for me. And I was about twenty five, I would say. And so I led group sessions, I led one on one sessions, um, home visits, you know, to people suffering from schizophrenia, to bipolar, to severe depression, and anxiety. It was it was difficult to see that because a lot of them had families at home, a lot of them, you know, would have, um, and especially with children, and I would also like uh, counsel the kids as well. And what I remember one of the boys telling me I'm a bit scared, Crystal, I'm scared that I'm going to have bipolar like my mom. Right. So it's it's very hard to hear that, especially I was 25, haven't had a family yet, you know, and going through all these and doing all these work. It was 
an eye-opener, but yet it was very fulfilling, I would say. Um, but yet after that, moving back to Singapore, I told myself, I don't think that's what I wanted to do. Um, it was nice, I would say, uh, you know, to be able to have that opportunity experience to, to actually counsel kids uh, and families who are in need. But I wanted to kind of get away from that and, and go into the corporate world because I feel like I think that's where um, people need a lot of help as well because he doesn't start that they are the part of the family and you know people with mental ill diseases have that and then you have the psychologist and the psychiatrist for that but I didn't want to go to that role I felt like in the corporate world people were actually lacking in that people were lacking support people lacking people uh, uh, you know, psychologists or people are trained to actually understand what mental health is in the workspace. So coming back to Singapore, I started looking for jobs and I realized um, about 10 years ago, Singapore is not like now during COVID times where people are actually open to talk about mental health. So going to the corporate industry, mental health was not really talked about. The only thing that Singapore had was EAPs. So I got into that EAP role and, and the listeners who don't understand what EAP is, it's actually employee assistance programs. Now, employee assistance programs are actually a, is actually a program that corporates actually incorporate to help their employees get um, like a hotline or a phone number to call so they can actually call a counselor for help. And that's what I did. I did that for about uh, six years. Um, wow. Yeah. So two different EAPs. One was a local EAP, which is a Singapore-based one. And then the other one was a global provider, which is a U.S.-based one. Um, did uh, lots of counseling, different, you know, employees from different industries, different organizations, different walks of life, right? Employees from Australia, could be from the US, from the from Canada, from the UK, um, around APAC as well. So it was so interesting to hear that even though we're from different countries, different backgrounds, different cultures, the problems that we all faced were all mainly quite alike you would say you know I'm sure when you know like when people talk about marriage breakdown people talk about um, stress at work people talk about um, you know having a very stressful manager at work it's it's all the same you're not it's not like okay if I'm Chinese I go through a different problem if I'm Indian I go through a different problem if I'm Australian or Singaporean I go from Mm -hmm. I go you know face a different problem it's actually the same problem Um, just different cultures and the way people experience it differently so I, I always found it like such a joy to actually um, help employees to actually see in a different light and different perspective and what they're actually looking at, especially with um, uh, family issues and, and work issues. Because I, my background's in family psychology. So I did a lot of counseling family psychology. And I felt that a lot of employees were actually going through a lot of family issues that actually spilled into work. So people have, you know, relationship issues or maybe issues with their children and that kind of spills into work. And when it's that spills into work, problems come up at work, right? because they're not productive anymore they're they're very worried they're really stressed out and then the managers come and be like why are you producing and things like that so it becomes like a catch-22 situation so I always tell managers you know when I was counseling to to kind of change up the perspective and sometimes when the employees come in are they looking a bit disheveled are they looking the same you know watch out for that right so that's how I got into from EAP then and then into MRSA as a wellness leader because um Working with Mercer has been great because I jumped from being a counselor, full-on counselor, to now full-on consultant. So now I consult with different organizations, big and small, 
it could be SMEs, it could be MNCs, um, and talking about their, their wellness journey. So before COVID when um, it was kind of difficult because a lot of HR uh, leaders will actually understand what well-being is, but not really understand the gist of it. So what will they'll do is have programs in place, but not really work out for the employees, right? Mental health was kind of talked about, but not really. You know, um, yeah. and the, the main thing that people like talking about is actually physical health. Everyone talks about health screening. Everyone talks about, you know, how your health is, how your steps challenges are, you know, like things like that. And I know remember in, in Singapore, I'm not sure if you remember a few years ago where step challenge was a big thing. You know, the government's giving out steps, uh, the pedometers and things yes. like that, right? So right now it's a bit like in the back, you know, it's a back burner because now the government's focusing a lot on mental health since COVID. Mm right but we can't really track mental health so that everyone's always asking me in HR how do we track mental health how do we get data on that because it's not like we can put a pedometer on and then know that you know are they feeling stressed are they feeling anxious you know so being a wellness leader in Mercer is really helping all the organizations kind of see where their journey is where do we begin um, how do we start putting in the right programs the right support for the employees and not putting in programs where your employees are not actually using um, before COVID, you know, doing a lot of gap analysis for organizations, we found that there's so many programs that organizations have in place that that are kind of like white elephants in the room. <laughs> um, they're not really using it because there's not knows no communication about it, or they've just been told by global, you know, HR to actually put it in place in Singapore or across APAC, and then that's about it. And then a lot yeah. of the employees don't even know they exist, right? Um, so then our my job as a consultant is actually kind of look at that and say, hey, let's help you kind of look at all the white elephants in the room. What do you need and what do you not need, um, and go from there. So that's how my whole journey from being a counselor to a consultant um, uh, has moved. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I think it just gives you such a good perspective, mm -hmm. right? You know, you know the issues that people have faced because you spent a lot of time in that. So you, I guess you go in into the consulting space, not with assumptions um, that you actually really know because you've spoken countless hours yes, to all exactly. different types of employees. I think the biggest um, thing is, I mean, just in anything in life, right? It's the assumptions that we make. And then potentially you think you're doing something good for people, but mm -hmm, actually mm -hmm. it's based on a whole set of assumptions, which isn't true and yes, could cause exactly. more harm. Exactly. Yes, I love exactly. that. But, you know, um, when you were talking about the um, physical, uh, you know, focus at organizations, I did remember the pedometer thing. And there <laughs> were people that were buying um, kind of like, you know, those things that shake watches, um, but they would actually put the pedometer on that and it's underneath oh, their yeah. desk or hidden and they were clocking yeah. up sets because you could win, I think it was money or you could yes, win prizes. Yes. prizes so I, yes. I did hear of people cheating in the space. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of trouble to go through to win a prize. Um, but the, and I guess linking to now the report that, um, mm. so how I came across you and like, you know, the work of Mercer, especially in the mental health space was this report that, um, was co-authored by Mercer Marsh Benefits, uh, with Cigna on navigating employees' mental health. And one mm. of the things actually was the link between the physical health and mental health. And that potentially that people don't really understand because um, how much of the, you know, the manifestation in physical illness actually comes from the mental exactly. um, side of things. Yeah. Which, um, well, my husband's a physiotherapist and he sees so many people coming in all the time. 
And some of the conditions actually is really starts in the mind mm-hmm. um, because it then manifests like, you know, it comes out in like very, very tense shoulders and, you know, yeah. it's stress that, you know, goes through the body um, to tension, headaches, all of these things. So I thought that was one really interesting in the report, which just reminded me when you spoke about that. But other like kind of key facts that jumped out from that report was that 50% of employees reported being stressed in everyday life. Um in um, a high number yeah that's a very high number and 27 percent of singapore's population suffer from insomnia that is like a like a quarter of people are not sleeping enough or sleeping well um Mm. and so i thought those are really interesting stats and this i think a lot of the studies were based on 2020 because the report was published in 2021 Mm -hmm. um so what are you seeing um you post that report you know you guys published it put it out there i know you did do a webinar on it um yeah how has it been since um releasing those findings I think it's been almost the same in a way when, uh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, because we've seen, um, I mean, a little bit better. I would say a lot of organizations are seeing the the stats and going like, you know, this is something we need to tackle. We need to do something about it. In terms of insomnia, I know a lot of organizations are seeing that, you know, okay, if uh, my, my employees are not sleeping because they're stressed, right? They're not sleeping because there's overload of work. Um, and also, I think during 2021, because working from home has been almost a default, um, the line drawn between personal and work life is very blurred. And so with that blurry line, not a lot of people are taking breaks and rest. So it's probably even worse, I would say, um, in terms of their maybe lack of sleep or I would say lack of breaks, right? Lack of rest. So um, uh, so a lot of employers like towards the end of 2021 are looking towards 2022 and going, okay, um, I think when the government opens up with hybrid working, then how do we actually support the employees in helping them not blur, you know, not blur the lines anymore, but have like a, like a consistent rest period or break, break, break periods during the day of work. And even like, you know, mandatory leave days, you know what I mean? Take leave, like don't not take leave because the problem that we've been seeing in 2020 and 2021 is that people are not taking enough leaves. Um, they say they're too busy, uh, you know, don't have time. I don't have time to take leave. So they accumulate all these leave. And then the next year, you know, it rolls over and they have like 35 days of leave, 40 days of leave, but because they're not taking leave. And then after that, they become burnout, right? So we're always telling or um, organizations, you know, prevent burnt out, pre- prevent it before it even starts. And how, it, how you actually prevent it, especially in the paper we talk about, is actually starting with culture change in the organization, right? Without that culture change, you're not going to do anything. You're going to have programs in, you're going to have like sleep programs, you're going to have rest programs. It's not going to work. It's going to be like another white elephant. Maybe one or 2% of your organization is going to use it. But if you don't implement that change internally, whereby it comes from the top and go, okay, um, our motto this year, our motto this year is actually, you know, taking care of employees first, so they can be the front line to take care of our customers. Then you implement all this culture change inside and say, "How do I take care of you? Tell me how do I take care of you? Is it, you know, if you need, if for example, two different employees in an organization, one probably has a family, the other doesn't have family. Now, what can I support?" the one with the family and how can I support the one without the family? Because every employee is different, their backgrounds, their lifestyles, everyone's different. You can't have like a one-stop 
or like a one size fit all kind of program, right? So that's how I tell organizations, how do we kind of plan together to make it fit for everybody? Um, and in the paper itself, I think when, when you read it, you know, we always say leaders are super important in the organization. Um, without leaders, you know, without good leaders, the organization kind of dies or splits apart and, you know, people disband and people leave. But with good leaders, good leaders actually understand their employees. That's number one. Um, we found that through data that employees actually stay, not because they have a great pay or, or the benefits, benefits are great. Yes, that's two of the reasons. But the other reason people forget that people actually stay because of leaders. They like a good leader, a good leader that shows them, you know, how do I separate work, my work life and personal life? How do I take care of myself? Because I see my leader taking care of themselves, but yet is a good leader to me. Um, a good leader that actually understands that here, here's the employee first and foremost before actually implementing things. Um, and so that, that itself is very important. And also in the paper it talks about leaders forget to take care of themselves. Um, and with that comes a lot of whole lot of issues because then the leaders burnt out themselves and that kind of trickles down to the organization as a whole. So we always tell leaders, especially in the paper is take care of yourself first, like implement your you know, coping strategies, implement your strategies to, to look after your mental health before you can look after the company's mental health. Right? So that's, I think that was one of the most important key factors in the paper that we thought it was taking care of the leaders first. Mm. And it's modeling because mm -hmm. if like, you know, like you say, if you have a program here on like, okay, let's do this. Right. But no yeah. one's actually like living it out, like practicing it, then no one, and, and you look to your leaders, then yes. it, it's not going to, it's not going to trickle down. Yes, no exactly. one's going to be doing it because, exactly. and it actually maybe even um, kind of um, promotes distrust. Mm. Um, because you know, it's the company saying one thing, but no one's doing it. Exactly. So it really does exactly. take the, yeah, the leader to be the first one to model it and to, exactly. then it's kind of saying, okay, everyone's permitted. I, it's interesting. Um, this morning I saw something on LinkedIn and I can't remember which company it was, but they basically said no business decisions should be made between 8 PM and 6 AM. <laughs> <laughs> But it's so true because true. Um, just with that it's blurred true. lines and everything and people just it's working true. around the clock and also just time zone. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people I, I find in Singapore don't work on the Asian time zone only. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly. where like continuous just like starting at like midnight for meetings and all these things, it does take like sh it's shift work basically exactly um, to exactly. a certain point, but it's you don't have time off. So yeah. then you need to then stop that. Uh, I mean, stop, stop, um, you know, during the times that you can take a break yes, um, and exactly. then let the leaders actually um, model that as well. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. That's just so many. It's very, very interesting. Like, but it always starts at the top. It's always exactly. leadership. It does. It does. I did a very interesting fireside chat last year when uh, with actually one of the biggest hotel groups uh, across the world. Um, and they actually implemented like real conversations with leaders in the, in the hotel. Uh, so it started with, you know, their CEO, and then I started with the different leaders across the APAC region in the different departments. It could be like in the hotel department or, or in the corporate department, right? And then the leaders actually, um, so we had a moderator and then my, myself as a psychologist came coming in, and then I had two leaders, um, and the two, and the two leaders would be so 
open to talking about their vulnerability, which is very, very refreshing to talk about, you know, how they struggle during COVID, how they struggle um, as a family man or as a, as a mother during COVID, right? How they struggle actually with their teams, which their team didn't even hear about. And then it kind of, you know, and then it opened up such a wide range of emotions with the, the entire organization, with all the employees thinking, hey, um, they found out, they told me that all their employees came up to him and be like, hey, no, that's such nice sharing because I didn't know how that was how you felt. And then it also kind of galvanized the entire organization to kind of like, you know, all the employees going, hey, my leaders were human as well. They were feeling the way I was feeling. And then they got like emails and like calls and say, you know, I didn't know you're feeling that way. Uh, you know, apologize that I, I wasn't there to say, how are you? I know it felt it was it was such a change in the organization culture where everyone now felt like they all had the same type of purpose, a sense of purpose together. They were all in this together. We're all growing. We're all, you know, going through issues, but we're all human. We're all, we can all support each other no matter who you are. You could be a leader. You could be, you know, in the mid-management. You could be whoever in an organization, but everyone's almost the same. Um, so it was such a good uh, uh, chat and such a good program. I think the whole theme, they did it for the entire year. Such a good program that they actually implemented for the employees to actually join and be part of. Mm. the feeling of just being in the trenches together yeah and then like yeah and people will step up once they know that they can you know help each other out um and it's all about the people like I, I think exactly. I might have said this on another podcast so I spent the first 10 years of my career as a tax consultant uh in a big four now so people are like how are you a tax accountant and I'm like yeah I was for 10 years but the it's not that I like doing you know tax returns or reading tax advice or writing it right, was because right. I really really loved my team mm. like I had the best partner in the world and she was just amazing and so I, I actually tried to leave twice during that time and they yeah. were like no you can't go just take a break and I always came back I literally so we call it um boomerang like you know <laughs> like just yeah. out the door and back in like a revolving door and I came back twice and it was because I genuinely love my team and we would do anything for each other That's and so it, it hear, wasn't yeah. yeah it wasn't the work <laughs> trust me there's um, okay, no offense to the tax accountants out there but I, I, I'm just not wide for that <laughs> But yeah, it's really down to the people and the leaders exactly, and, exactly. and she, she walked the talk, you know, so she's one of those that, um, you know, if we we're all working late, she would, she would stay behind. So it's very opposite of Asian culture where, you know, the employees would stay behind because the boss is there. She would stay behind for us. And then she'd be like, okay, everyone, we need a good night's rest. So she emphasized rest a lot. She's like, we need a good night's rest. Otherwise, because it was busy season, otherwise we're not going to think properly to the next day. So everyone go home. And she would make sure all of us walk out together. And oh, so just, wow. yeah, which is so uncommon. I think I've yeah, had a yeah. really a unique experience in having a manager like that, a boss like that. Wow. Um, That's a great manager. When, yeah. She was right. fantastic. Like I could tell yeah. so many stories about her, but and that's how she kept her team for 10 years. I've still, and we were 10 years on and I still have friends working there. Oh, wow. I've stayed all the way. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now those are role model managers. Yes. That, that's what we need in, in like different organizations, role model managers like that, you know, um, which we don't see a lot. And I think, you know, I always tell leaders, if you want to change your team, you want to build that momentum, you want to change culture, it starts with you. It doesn't start with someone else and go, this program, this program, it actually starts with you. Like, how are you with your team? Do you actually check in and during your work meetings, do you actually talk about work or 
or do you actually talk about hey how are you doing how was your lunar new year um was it stressful you know and and then turn that meeting around and go like you know actually today's not a work meeting i just want to check in with you guys you know it becomes a different culture for them to feel like hey my manager really cares about me not only about my personal well-being my work well-being but you know professionally personally everything right so it becomes like a friend i know that i'm friends with two of my previous managers and they all been great managers um and uh, and and even if they uh, when i left the firm uh i've always stayed in touch with them because they've been such supportive managers and i you know we stayed as friends so that's what i feel like people should have is that you not only have a manager you you have a friend yeah and I think um, the phrase comes out like be the change that you want mm-hmm. to see and yeah. so I guess it's like breaking that vicious cycle like of just you know complaining about you know maybe having worked for bad managers <laughs> but now you can be that manager and it, it, it will flow on because yes. then the you know the younger members of the team and the people who work in your team will then see it and then feel yeah that they model after that and it just creates this really great positive vicious I mean not no more vicious cycle a positive cycle <laughs> yeah so um I know that um you know Mercer is a very big brand and um, mm. a lot of people think that oh you only serve the big end of town and uh, from our conversation the other day you're like oh yeah we work with SMEs I was like you do <laughs> so um can you share more about what you do for yeah I mean just not the big end of town but just for organizations of all different sizes right right um yes we do work with a lot of large organizations but with smes we do the same thing um we have actually a lot of smes under under our care and accounts um you know we not only consult for them we also help them with their insurance brokerage and things like that so with smes you know what i'll do is we kind of like lower the because you know when you do programming or or planning for MNCs is different type of budget, right? Uh, it's global budget, yep. things like that. But for SMEs, it's different. We all know, we know smaller, a smaller headcount, sometimes even one or two headcounts um, or a maximum five, right? And so dealing with them is very different how you would deal with an MNC. So um, usually with them, you know, we, it becomes much more like, okay, so what do you really need? It's easier to see what the employees really need and employees really want because it's such a small culture. Um, helping them change culture helping them like you know uh, find that the right insurance coverage is good for them and also with well-being itself right I can't actually give them the whole global well-being and those kind of like yearly calendars are great I can give them like a full yearly calendar or help them plan it out but maybe you know provide a lot of like local providers that that fits their budget um because there are a lot of actually local providers especially now in singapore with the government support that are government funded um and with grants so for example an sme would say chris i need a full year program on mental health talks right um i know a provider that actually provides it complimentary like free for a whole year for mental health talks but that's funded by the government itself so so these are the things that we help smes with to kind of link them up with you know local providers local government funds uh you know that that it actually helps with the SME building of their well-being journey um, or mental health journey, I would say. And I think, and also Singapore, the good thing about Singapore that is that there is a lot of government-funded grants for um, SMEs. 
Um, I'm not sure. If, I'm sure that a lot of SMEs know about this. A lot of the government-funded grants for SMEs. If you're growing and you have, you know, uh, and also with mental health itself, I told, I just said they have the free full-year program of mental health webinars that SMEs can actually tap on. Um, and also, you know, if you talk about physical health, social health, financial health, the whole well-being structure, um, they have a lot of local providers that actually can tap on to the government grants to actually provide, you know, different activities activities or different webinars throughout the year as well. So there's quite a lot of things that government is doing for SMEs, especially mm. for SMEs. So that's actually a good thing. And that's what Mercer is helping with is kind of connecting those dots with the SMEs. Oh, love that. Well, if you're an SME out there listening, uh, please do, yeah, look up look up Mercer. I know that. Um, do you have any free resources on your websites to point people to a direction? We do, we do. So you go into the Mercer Singapore website, there's a lot of resources in terms of our white papers. Um, there's also resources on uh, mental health, I would suppose. Uh, and if you can't find that, no, not a problem, please email, you know, email to me. I'll be more than happy to help and more than happy to connect you with the right resources. Fantastic. So you know how um, we were just talking about be the change and start with yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So like just like how I work at Flourish DX and we're all about, you know, um, mental health, preventative mental health and, um, you know, a really um, psychologically healthy and safe workplace. If any of us burn out, it'd be the worst thing because... We have to practice what we preach. And so likewise for you having the the title wellness leader, like you would have to be very careful for yourself as well to be able to take care of yourself um, and walk the talk. So how do you go about doing that for yourself? (laughs) Good question, (laughs) Wen. Oh, it's easier to be, to advise. Yes, exactly. Um, One thing good about my my husband's very motivated, um, in terms of his exercise he exercises every day not like every day when like he wakes up at 6 30 even though how late he has slept or how tired he is he wakes up at 6 30 goes to the gym I'm like oh my gosh he's so motivated so I I try my best um I I I, I like going for walks so every morning before I start work I go for at least like a three kilometer walk to clock in my steps right yeah so then I try that um walking with my daughter in the evenings uh I do Pilates a lot so I love Pilates um and that's how I kind of keep sane or I would say you know mm. kind of have my breaks yeah. um watching Netflix is when I'm under the break I would say to be honest it's very uh, educational yeah. there's some great programs on there <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. Well, with my daughter, who's like eight, uh, almost 18 months, I hardly watch TV because she's so, it's so busy with her, right? Um, so my other, my other taking care of myself is kind of taking care of her, taking her to playgrounds, taking her to different things. Um, being a mom is my other thing. So, so I try my best to make sure that um, I not only work hard, I also have a lot of rest periods where if I feel like I'm not there or I can't really think or, you know, let me take a 10 minute break. So I always tell managers to do that for their teams. I practice it myself. So like for lunch breaks, I make sure that I have a half an hour lunch break. I don't work through lunch. Um, I make sure that if I need to kind of log off because I need to take care of my daughter and then work a little bit later, I have to do that. Um, And I make sure that during the times that I'm really busy with back to back calls, 
calls. I remember telling you last week when I sometimes have 10 back-to-back calls. Uh, now realizing that doesn't really work, I kind of plan it out in a different way yes. whereby, okay, let's say we have three back-to-back calls in the morning and then I have a lunch break and then, you know, have another three in the afternoon. So I think realizing that I have the ability to kind of um, plan my calendar and not let the calendar plan me. Yes. I think a lot of people let the let's they allow the calendar or like meetings to plan them but but I need to tell people that you actually have the ability to say no in terms of not saying no to the meeting be like hey uh maybe one o'clock doesn't work for me can you do 3 p.m um and then people need to set that boundary I think boundary setting when I was talking even when I was a counselor talking to people boundary setting is number one and I think I know you know I think when me and your agents in Asia boundary setting is not a thing we never talk about boundary setting as kids right we always say yes to everything or we feel bad Mm -hmm. if we say no so even at work I was tell you know in in uh you know in Asia itself especially I work with a lot of Singapore companies but MNCs or SMEs telling the employee that hey boundary setting is super super important even with your manager right and even manager you need to know how to boundary set yourself because you can't be in a revolving open door and then everyone keeps coming to you you get burned out because you have work to do and yet you have employees to take care of so I said you know saying no is not a bad thing it's not saying no forever it's saying no not right now Yes, I will right. help you later, right? So I think that's the thing that a lot of um, our culture needs to learn is a no, not right now, I will do it later. Or no, not right now, I'll help you later because right now I have something else to do or I need a break because I've been too tired. So I think that's the key takeaway today probably in the podcast is the boundary setting because everyone probably needs it. Um, and that's where the blurred lines come in because there's no boundaries. Mm. And especially Asia, who loves using WhatsApp for everything. Yes, it's everything. just <laughs> everything. And then everyone's on their phone, right, replying, replying, <laughs> and there's no boundary. It's like, I need to reply today. Oh, I need to reply now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think that's really, I mean, it's, it's come up so many times in the various podcasts just about boundaries. Um, and yeah, having the permission, you know, to say actually no. And also I think it's experimentation. Like for me, I know I can probably do five meetings a day and I'm maxed. I don't take yeah, anything yeah, right. else on. I'm like, oh, you know, actually I have free slots later on um, because I'm not able to bring my best to the meeting mm-hmm, if I'm worn exactly. out. Exactly. And so it's actually not beneficial for the other person on the other end either, because yeah. I'm not at my, you know, I'm not thinking at my maximum capacity that I can be helpful. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, but the, the other way of actually, I felt, um, well, one of my previous managers always really busy. I just pre-book time in her calendar, mm-hmm. literally every week I would just put one hour slot so that I can catch up all every single thing at one shot, because I know I've got her captive attention for that time. If right. I try and get her in between, she's not, um, I know she's not fully present there, but right, that's because right. she's got a million things on her mind. So I think it's also figuring out how people work, yes, um, yes, like kind of exactly. managing up, but also knowing what works best. And it's just yes. an experimentation, I think. Like you figure yeah. it out, you get burnt out. You're like, oh my gosh, why did I do that to myself? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I think people need to realize that like how much, like, you know what you do, I, I can maximum only do five meetings a day. And then my brain gets a burnout, right? So maybe it's asking yourself, like, 
what's the maximum you can do? And what, when do you produce the best? Some people are morning people, some people are evening people. Um, and the unfortunate thing is a lot of companies, of course, we work from like, what, it was a nine to six, nine to seven. But then some people don't really work from nine to 12 because their brain is not there yet. <laughs> They're only functioning <laughs> yes. after lunch, right? So I would say now during the hybrid working, maybe people, I mean, a lot of uh, companies are learning that we need to be as flexible as we can, knowing each different employee and how they work and how they produce. Because if we make everyone in, uh, put them in a little box, um, you get like maybe half the employees producing, the other half not producing, you're wondering why are they not? But because maybe that little box is not where they want, it's not them. You're, you're putting them in a, in a way that, that that's not how they produce more effectively. Mm. So as a manager, I think to really know that each and every one of your team members are very different. When they produce, when they're effective is at different timings as well. And you need to be as flexible as you can to see what works for them so, so they can work for you. Because because I know I, I've heard about a few managers, right? When they, they just say, if you, if I come at 8.30, you come in 8.30 as well. But then the person say, oh, but I'm not producing at 8.30. I'm like only producing at 1 p.m., you know? So then, then in the end, they're like having coffee. They're going to talk to their colleagues. And then the whole, app, the whole morning's gone. So why don't, you know, so then I would say to the manager, then what works for them? So maybe let them start, let them start at 1. They end at 11 p.m. at night because they are actually evening people. Right. And those who are morning people, they start 830, maybe they end at 530 because by 530, they can't think anymore. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? So really be as flexible as you can. And this new way of working, I think that's a better way to go. Mm. I do find that in Singapore and maybe actually not all of Asia, um, but definitely in Singapore, people are definitely not morning people. I mean, look at our cafes here. We It literally opens at like what, 8.30, 9 in Australia and other places. Cafes open at 6.30 in the morning. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so people here definitely wake up a lot later a lot because, later, yeah. and I think the weather, it's interesting, the weather has something to do with it because people like staying up at night because it's cool. Oh, and so, right. yes, yeah, that's what yes, I learned yes. about some, because um, I'm like, why do you sleep so late? And they're like, because it's really cool and it's quiet at night. Oh, because it's yeah. such a dense city, um, there's always noises all around mm-hmm. and they find it really hard to actually wind down or like just relax until much later. So you, um, I don't know if you've seen people walking dogs at midnight. Sometimes if yeah. I'm coming home and I'm like, right. people are walking their dogs right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very, That's like true. everyone is so different. Um, yes. Yes. So you're right in that, the flexibility and this whole, I think everything has just gone from like at the beginning of COVID, I, I have friends working in HR that were like, oh, we're struggling about making this decision about letting our employees work from home. And we're flipped, like kind of like nearly three years into complete to the other end. And sometimes we need that because otherwise it's very hard to inch. um, Yes, exactly. But then when a situation forces you, then it's kind of like, okay, well, on the other end, but how do we get into the middle where it works for everyone? Exactly, exactly. So actually COVID has been a good thing when people complain. Of course, the bad thing is the travel and everything else and, you know, get, you know, and the whole virus going around the world. But I think the good thing that has happened, if we see the positive side of it, Mm. is that all over the world organizations in HR have been changing their mindset from a very traditional way of working to now as flexible as possible um, employee first um, very employee centric I would say we've all flipped from 
employer centric to now an employee centric world. Now the employee, you know, gets, uh, you know, uh, for uh, people are asking, how do I take care of them? How do I make sure flexible working works? How do I make sure hybrid working works? How do I make sure they're engaged? You know, everyone's just worried about how the employees looking and how they're actually staying in the company. How do we retain them? How do we attract new ones? So I think it's been a big flip. It's a big flip from not taking care of them to now fully wanting to take care of them and making sure everything works. And so I think that's that, that's the most positive thing that COVID has done for organizations themselves. Yeah. And it's been a forced decision because yes. they were forced to do it. And it's kind of like, it reminds me when we started this podcast talking about Chinese New Year and suddenly finding out that people actually found it really stressful because you're actually forced to like do this all the time now you can't escape the true feelings and people are like oh actually I feel this way and it's like you do um so it's kind of like very very interesting that like it's opened up a lot more conversation it's like changed the focus where people knew it had to change but until you're forced to do it which sometimes you know I mean in an ideal world you would like changes to happen because from you know not because you're forced to yes, but yes. hey you know we'll take it and yeah. if it helps improve everyone's life then it's Why it's not? a great thing yeah. Yeah. yeah but thank you so much for your time I know we could spend like a lot more time talking and it's been such a pleasure just yeah bouncing off each other and discussing these things and I'm hoping in a year's time we'd love to have you back you know in another podcast and go okay how has it been since we spoke um yeah, and be very interesting to know <laughs> yeah and just I mean I guess I think we're both optimists so it'll be really great to um yeah to see the positive changes um but like you you offered um please um, get in touch with Crystal um uh if you need any assistance or want to you know have a conversation but yeah just um thank you for joining us during this podcast and just don't forget to subscribe to the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia so wherever you listen to it whether it's on um yeah on Apple, on Spotify, and our podcast LinkedIn page will also have upcoming guests. And you can follow, follow us on Flourish DX on LinkedIn if you'd like to see a short clip um, of this podcast. And the longer video version is on our YouTube page. And please stay connected with Crystal and myself. And thank you so much, Crystal, for, um, for your time. And for all the listeners who are celebrating Luton and New Year, and even for the rest of the year, uh, wishing you a very fantastic year ahead. Thank you very thank much you. and take care. You've been listening to the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia podcast. To stay up to date with the best content on workplace mental health in Asia, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and join the Flourish DX community at www.flourishdx.com.